and welcome back to Chicks and Balls, the podcast, a sports podcast by women about more than women's sports. I'm Georgia Moore, and as always, I'm joined by my delightful co-hosts, Keely and Marley Silva. And today we're bringing you another installment of our Halftime Huddle episodes with the truly accomplished and ever delightful Matt Duffy. If you haven't tuned into one of these before, our Halftime Huddles are a deeper dive conversation with some of our favourite athletes and sports insiders. If you're unfamiliar with today's guest, let me give you some context. I first met Matt when he signed with the Melbourne Storm back in 2009, where he stayed until 2015. Since then, he's gone on to play rugby union in New Zealand, including representing the All Blacks, and has now moved his young family to Japan, where he plays for the Honda Heat. So, here's Matt. We start off every episode with a fast five. And Keely is our fast five queen. So I'm going to hand over to her to get it started. Just a few warm ups. Yeah, just a bit, you know, for a warm up. When you come onto the field, you've got to warm up and be ready. So, uh, first one do you put your sauce in the fridge or the cupboard? Fridge. (sighs) Yeah. Like one, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Do you have a TV or movie recommendation for us? Like maybe a recent one? Oh, um, oh, I'm actually watching. Oh, it's so heavy though. Like, um, I'm watching Made at the moment. The, it's on Netflix. I've so. heard about this. And I watched I it. I actually like. I feel like I'm at like season oh, episode eight, and I just kind of wanted to finish now because it's just like it's so heavy. Yeah, it's so heavy. It's so, super heavy, but like I, I don't know. Yeah, I love it, but it's just like. Uh, I just kind of wanted to end, and I wanted to be a happy ending. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So. <laughs> I won't give anything away then. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. oh, damn. <laughs> oh, no. Um, do you have a favourite pump-up song? Um, oh, not not in particular. Um, probably what I – so I don't have one yeah, in particular, but I'll just probably answer a different question. My daughter has just gotten into – um, she calls it the Queen, so Queen. Amazing. And she's um, she's loving We Will Rock You, and she's like three years old and sitting in the back, and she's like, when she tells us to turn it up, it's squeeze it. So that means turn the turn it up, and she sits in the back going, We, <laughs> we will rock you, oh, uh, which God. is hilarious for a three-year-old girl. So, yeah. yeah no, I'm, I'm loving that at the moment. She's saying, asking for the Queen. Yeah. That's, that's nice. So good. We'll take that for sure. Um, do you have a favorite superhero? Um, oh man, all these questions I'm like, not in particular, but um, is uh, yeah, I don't know. Does your daughter have a favorite? Probably Spider Man. Oh, Spider Man is probably, um, probably, yeah, well, another daughter story. We just went to um, Disneyland like a couple of days ago in Tokyo, and um, she saw Woody, like Woody in real life, like from Toy Story, and she just like lost the plot. Could not understand how Woody was a real person, um, and it was like a life-size costume. So, awesome. yeah, if Woody's a Woody's a he's superhero, a good yeah. superhero. We'll take that. Or maybe you guys oh. should just just, just interview her. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Get her on. Good, yeah, co- yeah. good combo, Spider-Man and Woody. Um, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Last question: Your favorite country or city that you've lived in? Um. Oh, honestly, I'm actually I'm missing Melbourne at the moment. Uh, like, well. Yeah, I left Melbourne in 2015, uh, end of 2015, and um, love my wife's from there and stuff. So um, I'm actually really looking forward to getting back there once I finish footy. Um, obviously, I'm really enjoying being in Japan, but 
yeah, I do miss sort of just that city vibe of Melbourne. So I'm missing it. Probably lucky not be there the last two years. Yeah. So Georgia, but <laughs> um, yeah, I just I love Melbourne. Such a good place. Yeah, it is a great place. That's yeah. it. That's yeah. it from me. On to you, G Moore. Um. So tell us about your childhood. You grew up in New Zealand. Was rugby league your main sport? Was union always the go-to? What was that like? Um. Oh, I was, yeah, I was pretty fortunate. Like I pretty much, I started with rugby union, but then I, I just switched most years, like um, sort of at the end of summer, my parents would ask me like what I wanted to play that year. And I'd be like, oh, I want to play league or I want to play rugby. Or, and then I moved to Christchurch and I, and I was able to play both. So league was on Sundays down there, um, had like three teams in the competition. <laughs> um, and rugby was on Saturday, which is massive in Christchurch. Like obviously being Canterbury, it's just like a religion. So um, I ended up playing both. And then um, my last three years of high school, I played rugby union at a private school, got a um, sort of a bit of a scholarship. Um, and that's and then after that, that's when I went to the Storm. So I've done both. Um, but in terms of who I supported, I was a massive Warriors supporter. I was um, season ticket holder at the Warriors for a few years. My family's all leaguies. So, yeah, that was stoked when I went to the Storm. Stoked. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. On that, I did have you were just 18 when the legend, Darren Bell, scouted you to come across to yeah. Melbourne. What was that like coming across at such a young age and, like you said, from a family who loved league so much coming to storm yeah it was it was crazy crazy time like and it's funny like i think about it now and i'm like it was crazy but back then i think when you're 18 you're you're kind of so young you don't really like i didn't really know what i wanted to do with my life i still don't um (laughs) like i I never was was really like too phased by the idea of moving overseas i was just like ah it's just what it is and that's just what i'm doing and I was I was kind of just pumped to be living out of home and being able to do whatever I want whenever I wanted. So, yeah, I was stoked. And obviously, Darren uh, was such a big support supporter of mine, like early on and and stuff like that. So, and we had a good crew. Like I moved in, I went from sort of uh, living with my parents in Auckland to living with three guys from like country New South Wales and um, Hawthorne in Melbourne. I'd like never done any washing for myself, never cooked for myself. Um, and yeah, <laughs> and, like and, but we're all, in, yeah, 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 it, it probably does. But um, yeah, and it was just like, I was like learning life, but also just on this cool, unreal journey with rugby league. And I was at this amazing club that was just winning everything. And then, yeah, it was just, it was a, I think about it now and I'm like, man, how did I survive? Like, I actually was, I'm actually like, how did I survive that? But at the time, I was just—it's just—you just think about what's in front of you at the time, you know. And it's probably like the best way to live. Yeah, you know? yeah, sure. I wasn't thinking about like next year or you know what. You know, I was just like living it up. So yeah, it was—it was cool. Yeah, in your first year at this awesome club, you were a part of the NYC, which was the under twenties at the time, winning team. And mm. that team had Jesse Bromwich, Kevin Proctor, Jordan McLean, Gareth Widdop, Justin O'Neill, like so many of you who have gone on to play league and international league and all of that. What was that like being your first year at a professional club and that dynamic of you all starting together so young? Do you attribute chemistry in the uh, NRL side moving forward to that? Yeah, I, well, at the end of that season, we, there was 11 of us that got full-time contracts. So um, wow. normally, you know, I don't know how much, how many players, but there might only be 
you might go into first grade and m- might know about three or four players if you're lucky. And we were 11 of us all wow. promoted That's first amazing. Grade at the same time. Yeah, it was actually, and it was, so we got our support network, you know, all come with us and we all looked after each other and, and stuff like that. So, and a lot of times when one of us would get in trouble, you know, we would all get in trouble together. So <laughs> it was like one of those things where, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty crazy. So it was, yeah, we are so fortunate that we could do that. Um, and yeah, and then just moving on, watching guys go onto greater things like, you know, Justin left the club and he was like one of my best mates. I lived with him and he goes and wins um, a premiership with the Cowboys and he plays Origin and, you know, I still keep in touch with, you know, Justin and Kevy and Jesse and Kenny. Like, Kenny was in the team, but he wasn't even in the 17. Um, Brad yeah. Arthur was our coach, and Brad Arthur was our coach, and he's, you know, a very successful first-grade coach now. So, Adam O'Brien was our assistant coach, and wow. he's a Newcastle Knights head coach now. So, wow. we're like, we're, we were seriously blessed. But, at, you know, at the time, we didn't, no one knew, like, yeah, no one knew that. To be honest, our best players it didn't actually probably kick on, yeah, you know? Well, yeah, so it's yeah. just, it's just, a, it's actually amazing how things work out. It's, it's, it's really is sort of, there's a bit of luck involved and, and you know, and obviously a bit of hard work and, and all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, it's crazy um, to think about it now and yeah, it makes me feel super old. <laughs> <laughs> super old. Yeah, like, how many of you uh, have kids now? It's crazy. Oh, yeah, seriously, like, we're all, we're all, yeah, we're all having kids and, you know, so it's, uh, but it's cool. We're, we're kind of in that position now where we're all coming to the end of our careers and, you know, we're going to be those old farts in the, uh, <laughs> watching the, watching the games being like, ah, oh, look back on my day. So, oh, hey, um, nothing wrong with yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, don't worry. I went to the old boys weekend a couple of years ago and I'm like only 28 at the time. Yeah. You're like <laughs> the youngest old boy in the Old room. boy. <laughs> Yeah, and I was just like, this is the best thing ever. I was yeah. like, I want to be a old boy. I'm going to be there for, yeah, for years to come. <laughs> so good. Well, you only mm. spent one year in that under-20 side. You then stayed on at Storm until 2015 in the NRL team, but you spent quite a bit of time on the sideline. You now feature on the wall in the medical room yeah. at Storm, which is the um, sort of... Uh, encourages current players to sort of push through those long rehab stints and um, give them motivation to get back to playing when they can look at people like yourself and Slade Griffin who feature on there in the, you know, hundreds plus days in the injury bin. Mm. What did that process teach you? You came back four seasons in a row after pretty significant surgeries. Yeah, well, it's, yeah, like... 2015 was the first season so that was my last season at Storm that was the first season I didn't have a either a season ending surgery or an off season surgery in my whole sort of seven or eight years there so I um, I think when I left Jesse was on about a uh, hundred he was on about 130 or 40 games maybe mm. but when I left and, and I was on like 60 something wow. but we started oh, we started at the same time so yeah, I missed yeah. probably 60 or 70 games. Well, it was, it was probably more than that. But, yeah, so I missed a lot of footy. But, I mean, I, I've, like, you know, at the time going through it, like, it's it's a, just such a long story and we probably don't have time for everything. But I'll try and sort of box it up a little bit. But, you know, going through it at the time, you know, I'll get to a point and I'll be like, oh, one more injury and I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm not doing it. And then I'll get injured. 
Mm. And then I'd like, and I'd be sitting there and I'd be like, well, I'm not done because <laughs> I want to keep playing. And then, but then your goals change, you know? So I went from, you know, you oh, you want to be the best player and, you know, want to be the best, you want to play well and all that sort of stuff to then my goal literally became, I want to run out and play one more game of rugby league. Like, I don't care what level it's at. Or I want to just be able to run without feeling like a baby giraffe, which, which literally after my my two ACLs, I, I, I actually was, I was, I remember my first running session back like so vividly. I, I couldn't even, I couldn't even imagine where my foot was going to land. So like, when I was running, I was like, my foot would land too far in front or too far behind. So it was like I was stumbling like every time I ran and, and I'm talking like a jog. Wow. So then your goals change to, I just want to be able to run. I just want to be able to um, play another game of footy or, and stuff like that. So, and sort of your mindset change as well. It goes from sort of, oh, why me, why me, poor me sort of thing to, now this is just a, you know, it's a learning curve. And, and like I sit, sit back now and I, I really, truly, I don't regret any, like I don't feel like if I had the choice to not go through that, I would take it because what it taught me was a lot more about myself and about life than, than what if I just stayed clean bill of health and, and played all these games and, you know, had this like, you know, a better resume or whatever that, you know, so, but yeah, there's probably, yeah. So in during those years, sort of missed out on the 2012 premiership, which was, a tough one at the time but I kind of look back now and I'm like it's it is what it is you know like it's you know it was all learning and um, I, I definitely don't think I would have had any of the success I had after if I didn't go through that stuff because yeah, for sure. yeah that, that was definitely like a massive motivating factor to sort of strive for bigger and better things once I did become healthy yeah so well, yeah, we'll talk yeah. about your very impressive resume in a second. But any other young athletes going through those injuries? Any advice? Um, well, I honestly think once you get over the fact that you know, like the whole like, why me? Why can't I just be like that guy who's killing it and his body's unreal and he never gets injured? And I honestly think once you get over that and you start just thinking like you know, just rip in every time you get into the gym and just enjoy what you're doing and then, you know, and go into it with an open mind and not be like, if I do this, I will get this. Mm. It's just about chipping away every day and not sort of expecting to be any um, to be anywhere at any point in time and just getting through it at your own pace. Um, I know it's a lot to think about and, and all that sort of stuff, but, yeah, once you sort of get out of that headspace, you, you're lighter and you don't, you don't have that pressure of sort of, oh no, you know, I've been injured for three months now and the doc said that I can be back in three months and I'm still not good, you know, and then you, mm. then you start becoming unmotivated and stuff. So um, I think you just got to chip away at it and enjoy it for what it is. Enjoy everything about it, the pain, the <laughs> the, um, the little goals you can take off during the way, um, like just being able to run or, you know, all that sort of stuff. So. But I, I definitely do think I'm actually fortunate that I'm probably naturally more kind of enthusiastic, positive person. But And that's not something that's, you know, I can say I built that by myself. That's just something that's, you know, that's like my mum or, you know. Yeah. You know, my family, that's my family values, you know. So yeah. it's, I'm actually fortunate in the fact that, you know, 
I am built that way mm. and yeah, some people aren't. Sure. So, um, and if you're not built that way, put people around you that are. <laughs> <laughs> Simple as that. <laughs> yeah, I was just going to yeah. say you can really pick up that that's how, how you are. I think the way that you talk about it and seeing, um, you know, the bright side and the benefit in your personal growth is pretty amazing. Like that's mm. – um, something in itself to be so proud of so yeah that's really cool just wanted to say that yeah yeah no oh, thank you um <laughs> I, I would say obviously at the time it's, yeah of course it's yeah. it's it's crap like it's, yeah you have some dark days and i and i'm probably talking about it through you go through like a grieving period and yeah. you get to a point where you kind of go am i gonna am i gonna rip into this challenge or am I not? You know, mm-hmm. and he, but he, there is a there is a big grieving process. You know, yeah. Yeah. So, um, one of one of the things that Craig said to me one time after my I think it was after my last ACL and it was pretty much like everyone I think everyone including myself was like oh man this guy needs to retire like he's oh. just getting injured. Oh. So and he actually said to me he's like well he's like you've got to rehab your knee anyway for mm-hmm. life so. Don't worry about if you're going to play anymore. Just start to be away your rehab. Don't even think about playing because you have to do it anyway. You know, I have to get the surgery. I have to do my rehab because you've got a whole life to live. So just don't think about that. So then, yeah, so, um, yeah, that that was a pretty cool thing. You know, like when if someone's at that point, you've got to do the rehab anyway or else you're going to live a sort of – subpar life because you're not going to be as mobile and not going to be as strong and fit and whatever so if you're at that point just do the rehab because you want to be a fit and healthy person and then if you want to get to the point at the end and you go shit i do want to play or no the rugby field terrifies me i'm not going to go back out there you know yeah Yeah. so which is fine either way is fine so um yeah good old craig Pals of wisdom. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to give him a rap. He's, he's getting to me rap later. Um, well, after you finished all that rehab, you finished up at Storm in 2015, headed back across the ditch to play Union. Was that always the plan? Was that a goal? How did that come about? Um, oh, it was It was always sort of in the back of my mind that I, I wanted to do that. I. The, the hard thing was is that I kept getting injured. And so then, and then, so I reckon if I had stayed sort of healthy, then I would have been at that point where I'd played sort of, you know, over a hundred games. I would have felt satisfied and would have gone like, all right, I'm going to go at 24, 25. But what kind of ended up happening is because I got injured, 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 I got back on the field at sort of late 2015 and I started playing, playing again and playing, you know, I was playing all right, but, I think most people could see that I was fine again. You know, I was I was good to go, but because of all that time off the field, um, <laughs> I don't want to sort of speak about money, but people were like, "We can get them for cheap." You know, <laughs> that's yeah. as simple as it is. You know, because yeah. I'd been injured so much, so I had I had like actually quite a few opportunities, but they were sort of at that rookie level in terms of that. So. I was, um, that was kind of a, yeah, it was kind of a weird sort of setup. Whereas, um, but then I had this opportunity from the Blues and there was my hometown. I kind of sat back and thought about it and I was like, well, I've had a lot of injuries, you know, uh, NRL is brutal. Like it's brutal. It's a brutal game. Can I sustain this for 
X amount of years, what's going to happen when I'm sort of 30 and I'm starting to get slower and I'm supposed to be a winger <laughs> and I'm like, well, at least in rugby I can be a, like, I can probably use my smarts a bit more <laughs> if that's, you know, um, I can do that. I, I play like a fullback role and I can kick and I can pass. So, you know, um, I can be involved sort of tactically and stuff, which I sort of sat back and thought about and I was like, well, you know, and when you kind of get to that point in your career in league, the only real option is you go into like the north of England, and mm. you know, no, there's no disrespect to the north of England, but I, I just didn't know if I was like, I was probably, I'm probably kind of, I probably would have ended up just staying in Melbourne and retiring, really, um, mm. if 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 I got to like late twenties. So, long story short, I decided to switch, give it a crack, because um, one. I'll financially it wasn't I wasn't taking a step back you know I look at a guy like Roger I I respect him because I I have no idea what he's getting paid but I would imagine he's taking sort of oh, uh, I'd imagine he's taking a financial cut to have a crack at rugby union so yeah. big respect to him but my situation I wasn't it was literally an opportunity an opportunity so yeah it's that's pretty much it and it was my hometown as well it was a team I grew up supporting so I was like well that's pretty cool and the thing about contracts is you can't just say oh I'll wait one year because that spot's not available in one year if they sign a guy for two years so it was like it was like now or never I'm like 25 if I'm going to learn the game of rugby a whole new game and be successful at it I need to go now while my body's still you know fresh or like I'm still youngish um I still got time to learn the game, and and then I can push into sort of my early to mid thirties. Yeah. <laughs> mid thirties. Oh my god. Um, but yeah. You yeah, talked so. about adapting to a new game. You clearly did that mm. very well because in two thousand and seventeen, you got the call up to the All Blacks. I imagine mm. as a Kiwi growing up, that was like a pretty surreal feeling. Was that something that you ever had as a goal? I mean, I imagine playing league maybe put that on the back burner for a little while. But where did that? Start yeah, well, obviously, when you grow up, like yeah, when you grow up in New Zealand, like you just the All Blacks. No matter, you know, like I didn't watch much rugby, but I watched the All Blacks. You know, I was sort of a league family, so we watched the Warriors a lot. And, like, we did watch the Blues, but sort of not really. <laughs> and then, but then the All Blacks would go to, I still remember being taken to the All Blacks after game when I was young by my dad. So, obviously, once I went to Union, I was kind of like, you know, that's very pie in the sky. I don't want to sort of aim for that. I don't know. With, I just want to go on sort of open mind. I just want to like learn the game, see how it goes, and blah 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 blah. My 2016 year, which was my first season there, was horrendous. Like, couldn't have gone any worse um, for the Blues campaign. So you play for two teams over there. You play Super Rugby and then you play um, domestic competition. Um, the Blues Super Rugby season couldn't have gone any worse. Oh, no. um, so I was just like, and I ended up. I was end up playing so reserve grade over there is literally park footy um so i was playing like park footy and i remember my my wife at the time like she she was very like obviously very supportive came over to Auckland and like i remember sort of it must have been late 2017 or 2018 after all that like she was coming down and watched me like 2 30 on like a saturday playing like these muddy fields and like (laughs) the you know back streets of auckland like 
And I remember her saying to me a couple of years later, I was like, I didn't want to say to you at the time, but, I, you know, I was sitting there thinking, you know, um, is this what you had planned? <laughs> so, but I mean, I think you have to go through some of that, you know, kind of, I think I'm, I maybe went in a little bit too ego driven and, and stuff like that. I wanted to be like, I wanted to come in and be like the savior of the blues and all this rubbish. And sort of, it was like a big humbling period for me. So, um, so I was, yeah, I mean, it was good. And sort of towards the end of that season, I got a new coach, I went to a new team and had a new coach. And he was just like, look, just, just enjoy it. Just like play. Don't worry about anything else. Just have fun. And so like went out and did that and sort of got a few little wins along the way. And then the 2017 season rolled around and I kind of at the start of that season, I remember sitting in a meeting with the coach and they're like, what's your goals? And I was like, I was like terrified saying it, but I was like, I want to, I want to be an all black. And, <laughs> and this was after the horrendous year, but the year before. And like, um, so I said, said that and I was terrified saying it, but I said it and I just sort of committed to every morning, um, every single morning, I was just going to get up, be the first in the gym, get, um, just sort of get my body right in the gym and, I literally just do that every single morning um, and then just got small little wins along the way and then sort of built into this bigger thing and played some good footy. Um, and then, yeah, towards the end of the season, I um, there was a few there was a few injuries in my position, a <laughs> um, few sort of sabbaticals and stuff, and I, I got the opportunity. And, and honestly, that, that sort of whole, that whole thing was just, mind blowing mm. going on that tour it was mind blowing like I I still yeah it's just crazy to I still got like a bag of my gear that I've got you know all blacks gear and like got my jersey that gave one to my dad and like I got one it's just yeah it's seriously a crazy um, crazy to think um, that that all the turnaround from 2016 park footy to touring with the all blacks so it's unreal yeah it was definitely yeah I was yeah I was pumped so I'm glad it all worked out. <laughs> yeah, it's an amazing turnaround in a yeah. year. Can you describe the feeling of pulling on that black jumper for the first time? Oh, it was, yeah, it was nuts. Actually, my first game, I played, so I played two games on the tour. My first game, I was on the bench. I was in number 23 and I got about 11 minutes and I didn't touch the ball. I didn't make a tackle, didn't even get near the ball. Um, I was just running around on Twickenham, full house at Twickenham. Like, <laughs> it was like 60,000, 70,000 people or something. Wow. And I was just running around like a headless chicken, just trying to get involved. And I was just, every time I'd run to one side of the field, the ball would go the other way. And, and yeah, so, but it was it was unreal. Like, it was such a cool experience being um, playing in London and, and all that. Um, but my second game, I, I um, we were playing in France at like a packed house um, in French. Frenchies are mad like you're just <laughs> crazy so and I, I started on the wing played 80 minutes and um yeah that i that i kind of feel like that was sort of my debut like my yeah. um that was you know when i really felt sort of a part of it um and so yeah it was uh yeah <laughs> that was a crazy experience and my uh, my old man flew over for the game and stuff and i managed to get a get a sneaky try nearly bombed it nearly <laughs> nearly dove out but yeah, that's um, yeah, it's pretty, and we and we won, so um, that was that was awesome. Firstly, before my next question, I just want to say you talk so much about being like you know you got lucky with injuries and all that sort of stuff, but I think for anyone to be selected in that team and to have played for Storm and 
to get to where you got. It's just like a testament to attitude and, you know, shit blokes don't get picked in tennis <laughs> when they are good players. Well, so like you, you know, you're too humble. Yeah, you. I, I, no, I honestly think like, um, you know, like I think 2016 was a point and I've gone through these points in my career as well. Like I think 2016 I was, you know, I was thinking about myself too much and I think if there's any advice to people, sports people in team environments, is that you literally play, play your best when you – obviously you need to know your job, worry about yourself, but at the end of the day, it's it's not about you at all, you know. So when I would go into a team environment and sort of invested in my teammates and, and all that stuff, I literally played my best footy because I, I wouldn't want to let them down or um, and all that stuff. But when I was in there and I was like – all right, I want to play good today because I want to score a try or I like I want to make this team or I want to be the guy that's in the papers because I'm the blues savior or whatever, you know, that those things creep into professional athletes' minds because it's you know, we're all egotistical because you it, it is it's one of those things that's actually <laughs> you know, sports people need to have a bit of ego about them, but you need to be really in control of that. So I feel like I've definitely been because of my sort of nature around team environments. I feel like that's given me an edge when there's maybe a 50, 50 call, mm. maybe, you know? So, um, yeah. And even when I went on that all black store, my mindset was like, I actually want to just be the best teammate on the store. Like, so whether that's helping the boys, because I, I knew I wasn't really going to play much. So the two games I played were they were called they were called um, All Black games. They weren't test matches. So a test match is sort of the All Blacks versus the Wallabies, um, where I played like All Blacks versus the Barbarians, which is like a mixed team, and then All Blacks versus the French Barbarians. Mm. Um, even though they pretty much played <laughs> their best French side, it was our second best sort of All Black side. So we're kind of like the touring team, but. Um, so, yeah, so I kind of knew that I was in that position, but I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to suck about it. Like, I'm grateful to be here. I'm, I'm not going to just sort of submit to that. I'm just a, a just a touring player. I still ripped in that training, but, you know, I still was competing for a spot and everything that I did, but my mindset was all around, I want to be a really good teammate, you know. Um, if that means kicking balls to a guy or catching passes for someone or sort of yeah I, I definitely think that it gives you an edge over over someone who's maybe not as much mm. if you're sort of invested in the environment that you're in because you need as yeah, stupid as it sounds you need those locker room guys I wouldn't call myself a classic <laughs> locker room guy but <laughs> do you know what I mean yeah 100% makes coaches, so much sense coaches, coaches know that yeah you know for sure. I think I think the locker room guy um uh, saying has kind of changed a little bit over the years, whereas it used to be just the biggest pisshead, but now it's probably <laughs> more the guy who, you know... Good teammate. Who, um, engages with everyone and, you know, sort of, you know, keeps the environment positive and energetic and stuff like that, so... Yeah, Unreal. absolutely. Um, yeah. After quite a few years in NZ... You played for the All Blacks, for the Blues. You made the decision last last year to head to Japan. 
How did yep. that come about? You're now a father of two beautiful little girls, cute as yeah. Um, but I imagine, especially during COVID times, that was a pretty huge decision to make as a dad and as an athlete. How did that all come about, and why? Why now? Yeah, well, yeah. Honestly, it's it's like a catch twenty two with this COVID thing because obviously, sort of when I made the decision, I think we're pretty much like right in the midst of sort of COVID. Um, and, you know, what it was like in the NRL, it was the same in New Zealand rugby. They were sort of cutting costs and all that sort of stuff. So not, I wouldn't say that I was desperate for a job, but I was like, you know, I really wanted to go to Japan. Mm. But it's really hard once I had that All Blacks sort of number that they've got caps on the amount of players that can come over here. So oh, I knew yeah. my chance of getting here were quite tough. Um, so when this opportunity came up, I was, I was really pumped. Um, the town we're in is quite a quiet town. It's not like a Tokyo or whatever. It's like quite sort of quiet and um, sort of good for young kids and all that sort of stuff. But obviously a huge move for my wife. Like obviously mm-hmm. I move over here and I get like 50 odd mates straight away and, and all that sort of stuff. But for her and she's, you know, at home raising our kids <clears throat> in a place where you go to the supermarket and like our town, no one speaks English at all. Oh, like it's, no. If you if if I bump to some, someone who speaks English, it's like you want to give them a hug. <laughs> it's, it's it's crazy. So that's what it's kind of and yeah, that's what it's kind of like, you know. Like and like we're sitting here now, and and probably the next time we had to do sort of hotel quarantine last time we came over from Japan um, with two kids, which is awesome. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, but next time we go back we're kind of at that point now where we're not going to have to do that and we we're through the other side and now we're kind of we're, we're kind of been talking we're like man we've got to go to these such cool places yeah. during covid when no one can go anywhere yeah you know like we went to kyoto last year we've gone to okinawa went to disneyland last week and they've got visitor caps at disneyland so there was only like most of the rides were like five minute wait. Oh, so it's that's, like, that's wild like, to go yeah oh, honestly we're 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 actually so there's a lot of really positive things, but there's obviously been some really tough times. Like our, when we first got over here, our daughter just wasn't wasn't sleeping very well. Mm. Um, my wife arrived in like November, and it's bitterly cold here in November. Like we have snow and stuff in our town. So it's yeah. um, and she's a she loves the warm weather. Yeah. So um, and we're in a two bedroom apartment with two kids. Yeah. So. And then, you know, you go to the supermarket, it's not easy. Nothing's easy because we don't speak the language. Like, you go to the supermarket, we just want, like, something really simple and it takes so long to find it. Um, But now, we're sitting here next year, we've moved into, like, a four-bedroom house and everything, you know, we're more set up. My um, my eldest daughter's going to an English-speaking daycare um, for, like, um, eight hours a week. So it's, you know, we're kind of, like, turning the corner of the home life, but and the world's starting to open up, so... It's um, yeah, we're, we're stoked to be here. Like it's, it's hard, but it's it's pretty awesome. Some of the stuff we've been able to do during this COVID times. That's awesome. Yeah, it's mm. awesome. And now you'll be able to, mm. you know, come back and forth a lot easier. Helps. That's it. Well. That's it. That was probably just that was like the last. That's like the last thing for us is being able to have family over here. To, like, the funny thing is, is if if sort of this is my last season here. And the world doesn't like Japan doesn't let people in, which they're not at the moment. Mm. Uh, we would have lived somewhere for two years, and no one knows, no one would have visited us. Yeah. So we've oh been like, we've got this crazy, this crazy sort of adventure we've been on, and no one once has been, none of our family has 
come to see us. Yeah. And we all, all and be like, that would be so weird if no one had seen where we lived in Japan. Like, yeah. that would be weird. Yeah. So weird. So, we're, fingers crossed the J- Japanese government open up. Yeah. Because yeah. I know Hopefully. the Aussie one is starting to. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. Mm. Well, the last thing I wanted to touch on with you, you're so engaged in your community and in doing stuff like jumping on this podcast. I know you spend Mm. a lot of time doing work with Lululemon and places like that in terms of just getting a different balance for, you know, a professional rugby player. Um, What role does that play in your life and how important do you think that sort of point of difference and that balance is? Um, oh, I think it's, yeah, I think the little lemon thing was awesome. I, I, it was kind of one of these, it took years to sort of get to that point where I became an ambassador. Um, it's since finished. You get like sort of like a two year ambassadorship. Um, mm. unfortunately I got mine during COVID. So like I didn't really <laughs> get thing. to do too much, but I did get a, I did get sort of before COVID hit, I went to Melbourne for like a seminar, like a three-day seminar thing, um, which was unreal with all the ambassadors from across Australasia, um, which was crazy. Um, Just the different people. I don't know if you've ever been into a little lemon store, but like you literally feel like you can hug like everyone in there. (laughs) And it was like that for like three days and you walk out of there and you just like feel like you can run through, feel like you can run through a brick wall. but yeah, so yeah, I think it's important. Like, obviously, rugby's sort of I'm really focused on rugby, but I and I still don't really know what I want to do with my life once I grow up. You know that old. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like in my thirties now, and I was like, I don't want to. I don't know what I want to be when I'm older. Yeah. I'm still in that mode. But um, so I think it's important just to talk to as many people as you can and um, just see what's out there. And and like I love having. You know, I think. Uh, like sort of conversations give me a lot of energy you know like they they are uh, like quite a large energy source for me you know like they make me feel motivated and stuff and I like listen to podcasts and stuff and and I apologize I haven't listened to an episode yet but I will not this one. no no that's okay I'm not this not this episode but I'll listen to one maybe Nico's one yeah, I've yeah, heard a lot yeah. about Nico this year, but I've heard a lot about Nico but um yeah so I think it's important because, you know, in rugby environment, you get locker room chat and it's a lot, uh, 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 you know. So, uh, <laughs> that's uh, a good description. You know, it's at the end of the day, that's all it is, you know. So um, I think it's changing. It's definitely changing. Um, but it's good to have experiences with people who are, who are completely different and challenge your sort of the way you think about the world and, yeah, I just it makes me really excited about the possibilities of anything, you know, when you work with people like that. So but yeah, while I'm over here it's it's a little bit difficult to do that. So yeah. I appreciate this chat. I'm a big overshare, so No, um, it's great. You it's know, been a good it's, it's been a good pla- good platform just to vent, just to just to <laughs> mumble mumble for like forty five minutes. No, it's so good. Well, we know you yeah. have rubbish duty in yeah, two minutes, can't so wait. we're gonna let you go. Um, maybe oh. you can tell everyone quickly why you are on rubbish duty and at your club in Japan. Yeah, so um, yeah, so someone was one minute late to a meeting, so now we've got thirty minutes of picking out rubbish. This is actually not the first time. <gasps> wow. Um, this is not the first time it's happened. The last time we've had a I've been here for two years. We've done it about. 
three or four times. So oh you're late for a meeting. It's like, it's, it's like not just the players, it's like all the staff. So there's probably like 80 people walking around the streets of like Suzuka and um, picking up rubbish, which is, yeah, it's just kind of like, um, there's <laughs> cultural differences in Japan and um, sort of when I first got here, you kind of, you kind of sort of like battle against it. But at the end of the day, like this country is, ridiculously efficient yeah, and yeah it's like, good team bonding like, too they're just like yeah and they're just like i don't know it's just it's a cool country yeah. and i'm just like oh well it is what it is and yeah you just get on I with actually it love it don't think i yeah, might don't think that for, he can take it on no yeah. can you imagine <laughs> can you no imagine? i can't that's the problem uh, it'd be great yeah, yeah oh no it's yeah it is what it is yeah ah, all good, all good. <laughs> go for a little bit of a stroll yeah. <laughs> yeah, but now nah, look, I really appreciate you guys getting me on and I love the whole idea. I've got two daughters and obviously you guys promoting women in sport um is great. I want them to be uh have plenty of opportunities when they're older. Um yeah. I actually really want them to be volleyball players. I was a massive volleyball fan growing oh, up. Oh, so cool. I'm like You'd I'm, have the height, my, my, <laughs> my wife keeps going to me, they can do whatever they want. And I was like, Yeah, they can. Just as long as, as volleyball is being played, then, yeah. <laughs> and so they can do they can do everything any any other sport. It's fine, but volleyball has to be has to be in there at some point. So, <laughs> um, Love it. But yeah, yeah thank uh, you so much for your girls. time. That's a, that's a beach volleyball team. But yeah, no, nah, yeah. appreciate it. Perfect. Appreciate it. Exactly. Go no, well. Thank you so much for coming on. You too. Enjoy clean up duties. Thank you so much again to Matt for taking the time all the way from Japan to talk to us. If you liked this chat, we suggest you go back and check out some of our other chats with some awesome Aussie athletes. You can find us on Instagram at Chicks and Balls Pod, on TikTok at Chicks and Balls Pod, and on Twitter at Chicks and Balls. No, no, no pod. pod. <laughs> Thank you, and we'll see you next time.